Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Welcome everyone present who are brave soldiers of the light. And those who are also brave watching at home or in different parts of the country or the world, welcome. Let's take a moment to center ourselves so that we can allow Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower, the seed of God, to go deeply. Not fall in the path, not be choked, or be smothered. And allow the presence of God to give it air and oxygen and the wind of the Spirit, so that we can complete our assignment and fulfill our destiny in Him. Amen? So right now, let's practice the rule of life. Just for a second, a moment of pause. And exhale. <sighs> exhale all the things that are weighing you down, that's harassing your mind. Thoughts of the future, concerns. Because Jesus still sits on the throne and he is in control. The Bible says to cast your cares upon the Lord for he cares for you. And now inhale the presence of God speaking to you Waves of mercy, waves of grace. All God's people pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, can someone from the back um, just grab me a glass of water? My throat was like, I don't know, it was getting itchy. I don't want to start coughing and people think, you know, weird things, especially hypochondriacs here. So uh, thanks. Um, all right, so let's put this picture up here. Um, so this is my son at five. You know, the, the amazing thing about being a father of a 14-year-old, one that might be actually becoming famous, is uh, you can make fun of him because that's your authority. That's your right. You know, I, you know, I was talking to Bino and Debbie the other day, and they're talking to my wife at uh, Washington Square Park eating at Shake Shack, and they're just saying, I feel like I'm sitting next to a man. <laughs> and I was like, he's so gross, right? Because in this picture with Brownie, He's so cute. You know, he used to play with Thomas and friends and the trains. All, and he was just happy if you took him to Barnes and Nobles to play with Thomas and friend trains. And he knew all of them by name, the numbers. Now he's gross. I'm like, what is another man doing in our house? I ask my wife all the time. Who is he? Get him out of here. But, um, you know, one of the things 
about raising children or raising dogs. Like this one right here. You see this one, this one, this one. If you don't know who she is, she's my dog. She's 15. She's Her name is Brownie Peanut Butter Kim because of her colors. <laughs> um, but one of the things that uh, we've been noticing about her as she ages is that her nails are growing pretty long and she's slipping. So, so when she sits, she like slips all the time. And, um, and it's actually quite annoying now uh, because she has a hard time getting up. And you're like, well, why don't you cut her nails? Why don't you do it? <laughs> because in our house, my wife and I both blame each other. Blame is part of marriage, folks. You know, healthy blaming is good for your marriage uh, because you have to pass on the chores you don't want to do. And um, it's, it kept growing longer because all of us buy the clippers. And, you know, Brownie won't let anyone cut her nails except me because she, you know, flinches and pulls back. But when I about to clip the nails, I get really anxious and I can't I go oh I can't the suspense kills me I'm about to clip it oh I can't I can't I can't and Brownie's like what are you doing human and it just keeps growing so you know what I and in and, and this text in Matthew 13 um, is about worry but it's about anxiety and everyone in this room and watching online have normal degrees of anxiety it's human to feel worried. Why? Because we made it very clear that the external environment, the macroeconomics of life, the psychosocial factors, other determinants, and different driving factors cannot be controlled, and we know that. And so we're going to have concerns. But there's an epidemic in, in global health today with anxiety with many people taking medication for anxiety. Because of that, the external factors are no longer just uncontrollable. They're changing in an incredible pace, aren't they? Right? We went from agricultural in, you know, society to in, industrial and now to service. And next is what? AI. And so millennials are going to change their jobs eight times in their lifetime. Before, there was just one or two transitions. There's so much more. And different degrees of anxiety is normal, but a general anxiety disorder or GAD is very prevalent today because when you engage in anxiety, you're doing a mental Olympics. Tell someone next to you, mental Olympics. But here, what is the point of the Olympics, folks? Is it to exercise? Is it to train? What is the point of the Olympics? To win. Either first place, second place, or third place. After that, they don't give you a medal. <laughs> right? You could only get marketed in the United States if you win one of those. Preferably gold. In South Korea, if you win a gold medal, they let you not pay taxes for a bit. But only gold. If you come with silver, you're still paying. <laughs> Mental Olympics happens in our lives when we think about things in the sphere 
of concern primarily in the future, and I'll go deeper into this before we move to the text, but without changing any outcomes. The only way you can change an outcome is, is focusing on the sphere of concern, which is in the present. But anxiety deals with primarily what? The future. You know, am I going to have enough? You know, one time um, in the early years of 180, this guy came to me and said, Pastor Sam, uh, you know, one of the things I continue to worry about, so what is it, my brother? I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to feed my family. But you're 20. I know, but I just think, I'm like, you don't even have a girlfriend yet. I'm astounded by your confidence. You don't think you can feed your family, but you don't even have a girlfriend. He goes, he goes, oh, I can get that. I'm not so sure about that. So you're worrying about something that you don't even have the possibility of. <laughs> when you don't have a job, you're in college, and you don't have a girlfriend. Let's deal with the girlfriend thing first. Once you ask someone out, see that works out first. Then you worry about your children, future children. So, so that's what uh, anxiety does. It makes you focus your energy on things you can't control, but it, you think you're controlling it by thinking about it. It's counterproductive. And the text in Matthew 13, Jesus says in verse 22 of this text in the parable of the sower that anxiety robs the oxygen you need to breathe in your life. And it, what, it, what does it do? It makes your life, it doesn't actually kill the seed. The first two seeds in the path dies because it'll, it gets eliminated. But here, it's about barrenness. Your life is without fruit. I mean, no one wants to live a life without purpose, without joy. Which is an outcome that they prefer. But worrying robs you of productivity as well. So let's look at this text. So verse 22 says, let me just read it. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. Read that with me. But the worries of what? Of this life, the external factors, psychosocial factors, all the various variables and determinants that we can't control, and the deceitfulness of wealth. So you see here the picture of the stick and the carrot. The stick is all the anxieties. You're beating yourself up internally to shake yourself up so that you feel like, well, if I could, some people you in here think you're smart, so you're like, okay, if I think hard enough, I'll find a solution. Only if this, then this would be solved. So, yeah, exactly. The, the, worries, <laughs> the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. So you're thinking, you're, you're now we talked about Jesus giving us a matrix. Now this matrix becomes you're creating another simulation, another illusion. So now your problem isn't the problem in front of you. Your problem is the problem in the future. Now you have two problems. You just compounded your problem. You created more shenanigans for yourself. So now you have the carrot and the stick. You beat yourself up, and then you think of a way out. And you're not in the moment. You're not productive in your job. You're not studying because of concerns. And it says, 
the deceitfulness of wealth choked the word, making it unfruitful. Okay, so what's the point of verse 22? Read it with me. Point is what? Anxiety is what? It's an insidious life trap. Psychologists note that when we engage in worry, we are triggering internal or external cues that signal danger. Primarily about the future. So what's happening is when you engage in worry, and it could be general anxiety disorder, where you need to take medication, or just chronic worry, or just, you know, same degrees of anxiety. The pathology, the mechanism in which when you engage in anxiety is that you're worrying about what could happen. So what happens is your present is haunted by trapping you in the future. And let me tell you the parable of the mozzarella, where we can derive this lesson. The parable of the mozzarella starts with our youngest son, Josh. That's Josh right there. We had a father and son date where we basically ate. <laughs> we ate breakfast, then lunch, and then ice cream, and then came home. I think it was about three hours or so. But the part of the mozzarella is that Josh one day choked on, you know, a ball of mozzarella where my wife and I thought he was going to die. We were freaking out, probably catastrophizing. And he was choking on mozzarella. And it was pretty scary. And he was freaked out after that. And now we can never enjoy pizza. Ever. Dad, can you cut the cheese off for me? Okay. Cheese off. It's is that mozzarella? You know, you ever watch Young Sheldon? The show? That's him with mozzarella. How do you know I won't choke to death? What if I chewed a hundred times? Now, every moment, he is haunted in the present because of a somatic experience in the past. And that's what happens. That's the life trap. The insidious life trap is that what happened in the past traps you because it's somatic. There's no guarantee in probability that that will happen again. But because of the, som the somatic experience, you believe it will happen in the future. So now you're trapped. You're going back to the future. Basically, all three movies are now playing in your mind. And now you're trying to stop the future by going to the past, in the present. So you're not really living in the present. So your present is haunted by trapping you in what? The future. Now you can't enjoy the moment. He's always afraid of mozzarella. About to chew it up and just give it to him because it's really ruining our lives. Because pizza's my, one of my favorite foods. It's the injustice when you cut it out of the pizza. And I know a lot of you food snobs think that the best pizza is Joe Pass in New York, but instead now we have the best called Brothers. That's the best pizza in the world. I have authority in this now. But they have the best cheese. But it robs him of the present. And it haunts him. Now, for many of you, and for all of us, all of us have had somatic experiences, right? Where we've been hurt. Or been wounded, betrayed, 
even mistrusts with others. And if we continue to live our lives based on the worries of this life, things you can't control, there'll just be paralysis. You'll be stuck. Be double-minded. So I wonder, in your life, where you're doing mental Olympics. Was it about the future that you're most afraid of? That concerns you? Because that's the area that's choking the seed of God in your life. It's actually robbing you of the present moment. It's robbing you of what you need to be doing. And you're doing completely something else. And I just, I don't want to skip or skim the trauma of our lives because I have them. I mean, I worry all the time. That's why the Bible says, cast your what? Cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. To live in this moment. It robs us of that. So I pray the Spirit of God today will show you how you are haunted in the present because you're trapped in the future. You're trying to stop all the scenarios, all the external and internal cues that signal danger in your life. When at the end of the day, you're actually living in a matrix. You're living in a simulation continually projected in your mind. No wonder we're tired. How many people are tired? Ask somebody, are you tired? You're like, I'm too tired sometimes. What are you tired about? I'm just thinking about my future. We talked about this in the MIT professor in, who talked about climate change and the butterfly effect, that the initial conditions of the future are so delicate and so sensitive, there is no way to predict it. A butterfly flapping its wings in Sh Shanghai could cause a hurricane in Texas. That's how sensitive it is. And that's why the weather, the, the meteorologists are always wrong. When they say 87%, it's just 87. They're actually guessing. That's not even the number. Sometimes I really believe science and I tell my wife, it said it won't rain at 11 p.m. So we're going to walk now. <laughs> and then it starts pouring. I'm like, well, it's going to stop. <laughs> she goes, but it's not stopping. But science said it'll stop. They know these things. And then we walked about 30 seconds. It didn't stop. We were soaked. I said, but it'll stop soon. So where are the places in your life where the oxygen is being taken out of you? And you're being robbed of this moment to grow, to learn. Because you don't really... The human species in, in every living organism in this, on this planet is hardwired to what? Flight or flee. It's part of the evolutionary process to be able to survive. The only thing from, there's the, the emotive side, there's also the spiritual side, but the organism, any organ, a worm to human beings, the only thing we can really ask of ourselves is to learn to adapt and learn and grow. You can't grow without new experiences, without living in the present problem if you continue to face illusionary problems. And that's what, really what counseling does most of the time. Catastrophe. 
But what if this happens? What if this? everything is a what if scenario? Tell someone next to you, focus on now. Focus on now. Now, right here, right now. Don't talk about your future kids. Ask a girl out now. <laughs> someone said, that's a really, that's good advice. It's just common sense. <laughs> so that's the first point. I pray the Spirit would show you that you don't waste any more time. Second, the lesson. What's the lesson? Read it with me. Anxiety makes you what? Makes you work ruthlessly without what? Actually working. So not only are you living in the future and the past, you're not in the present, so you can't be completely available. Your attention is fragmented, so you can't give all of yourself to your kids, all, all yourself to your partner, all yourself to the world or to what God has for you. You're living in the future and the past. You're trapped, haunted. Not only that, you're not productive. It robs us of productivity. Continually. What are we doing in the present moment? That's what you have to ask yourself, right? Because, like I said in the beginning, the seed that fell on the path was eliminated. The second was what? The external environment, the shallow ground, the thorns choked the word. It was premature death. They both died. But what's this? What's the third scenario? Barrenness, fruitlessness, futility. And that's part of the Christians, I, I believe, from what I see, the indicative that's ubiquitous in a lot of Christians in America. I see barrenness. I see a I see talk without power. I see words without action. And I see fruitlessness, futility. And no wonder, if your spiritual life is futile, how long will you really try to live it? Not long. Every case, it has to do a little bit with discouragement, but when you're futile, this is not really working for me. Just really obeying God and being faithful to God pay off. Becomes about, it becomes about utility even when you were not really focusing on the assignment and we weren't really paying attention to what God told us to be faithful to. Because, I mean, success is not something you can even control, right? The amount, the degree of the fruitfulness, 30, 60, 100. That's not something you can control. Winning a Nobel Peace Prize is not in your control. Getting to a selective university is not in your control. Getting the best competitive jobs is not in your control. All you can do is what? Be present in the moment. Because what happens? When you focus on the problem at hand, you're more effective. Amen? So let me give you the parable of selective universities here. Because 
The parable of the selective universities, I think, is important as well. Because uh, there's this uh, craze and obsession about parents telling the American lie, hey, that if you go to these universities, hey, they, they didn't put Columbia here. <laughs> wow. When you're ranked lower than these guys, I mean, I'm kidding. But um, we love Columbia. It's the best university in New York, just in New York. But, but um, I have a friend, and his, his niece, told, I met her in, um, when she was 17 applying to colleges, and she was super exuberantly confident about her future. And she goes, I got everything down pat. Like, because her father went to Harvard, and the father's brothers, both of them went to Harvard, and they were all scheming to get her into Harvard. And she said, well, I'm going to be a neurosurgeon. That's just what God called me to do. And because her confidence was so ast astounding, all of us were like, cool. Because all of us got into Harvard, too. So why not you, too? She goes, I got it all planned. I did this internship. I did this essay. I read these articles. And in my personal statement, it's better than all of yours. Well, she must be better than us then. And my, my friend said, I don't know. She has to take a step back. She should ask me for help because I'm, I interview people for her. And she goes, if, and I told my dad, I also would go to Stanford. You know, and she planned it out and her outcome was more important than anything else in her mind. She said, my goal is to get either to Harvard or Stanford, one of those. Or, you know, any other lower tier Ivies, Cornell, no. I said, come on. And then the admission process came back. Guess what happened? She got into none of them. Not even... She, there were no safeties. And my friend told me she had to go to a state university. And hey, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with state universities. Okay? We have many scholars from downstate at our church, all right? And she worried so much about the outcome in her life that she realized something. You can't control your future. There's no point of living in a future. Imagine she was just passionate about neurology or just passionate about the mind. And that was your passion and you focused on that. That's what it means to be a geek, right? Mm -hmm. To be passionate about a topic, to tackle the problems in front of you, not before, not in ahead of you. And I told my friend, I think that's good for her because you can become a doctor. You can go to Harvard Medical School. And I'll tell you this. The first time I went down Harvard Yard in my life was in a procession onto the stage. And let me just tell you this. I never planned to go to Harvard. I never planned. Oh, I could even dream of that idea. My parents would have, right now, they're in heaven. They're choking. <laughs> this is a joke, right? Because... 
one of the reasons why I ended up at Harvard or Selective University was not because I focused, oh, I have to get into Harvard, I have to get into this university. It was my passion for what's in front of me. You know who was in front of me? Physicians in our church that were struggling. Anxiety, depression. They're always burned out. The curiosity of the promise before me led me there. Because what? You're far more productive when you're focusing in what is in front of you than focusing on outcomes. So let me tell you, let me just ask you this right now in your life. Are you focusing on what is, what is in front of you? You know, because that's what God has in front of you. He will build you and root you and grow you. But it has to be what is in front of you, not what is ahead of you. So someone who had all the connections to go to Harvard didn't go. Someone who had no connections to go to Harvard gone to, went to Harvard. Why? Because you're far more effective in the present. Tell someone, be in the present. Be in the present. Live in the present. Don't allow the carrot and sticks to make you barren. Focus on the now. You're like, well, that's nice. Maybe for you. Maybe you're one of those, I do this disqualifying the positive. That might happen for you, but that won't happen for me. Because I, I still have concerns. You go, I still worry about what could happen. What's the worst case scenario? It just still boggles my mind. How many people here are a little bit obsessive? In your thinking. Raise your hand if you're a little bit obsessed in your thinking. Okay. You're a little obsessed. How many people ever thought, did I turn the stove off before? <laughs> did I? Did I? This morning, my wife, my wife said last night before she went to bed, you need to take the keys of the car out of the bag because I might be with it. I said, of course. And I totally forgot to take the keys out of the bag. <laughs> and then... All night sleeping. Did I take the keys out of the bag? Did I get the <laughs> Wake up in the morning. <laughs> Nathan goes, Dad, you have the keys to the car? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's it's gone with mom. It's in her bag. Why didn't you remind me to take her bag, Nathan? What are you talking about? Freaking out. Can I Uber to church? What is going to happen? You know, then I realized what there's, there are key, spare keys. Oh yeah, spare keys. Sometimes our our worry, or some things we even miss, are hyperbolic in nature. It robs us of joy, steals joy. Let me let me just tell you this: even the greatest concern for those who are obsessive in their thinking, did I turn the stove off? One time we didn't turn the stove off in our house. And that's the only day we didn't think, did we turn the stove on? <laughs> and we went home, and the stove was on for 12 hours. Bronnie was like, what is that noise? <laughs> did the house blow up? No. It was, nothing happened. We turned it off. 
So even your worst case scenario might not happen, even if it happens. Because what, the future is unpredictable. That's why it might be smart to give your future to God completely. Take it out of your hands. I know you clamor that we want to make something of our lives in our own image, in our own plans. Take it out of your hands. Give it to God because, you know, he has a universe. He runs it. He created it. You don't. But we don't. And you and I can deal with farming in the moment. Let's be present for our kids. Let's be present for our friends. Let's be present for ourselves. Go have a spa day. Go. Don't worry about, you know, they actually do scientific studies that massaging and relaxation, being absent-minded about what you're worrying about helps you. So spa is biblical. It's biblical. If golfing helps you, go for it. Take your, play video games. I play 2K, Steph Curry 3. Great, I'm in that problem. Because if you continue to live in your future, you'll miss the present. And you'll be double-minded. Let me tell you, as we close today, when you're double-minded, you make the biggest mistakes. Not in the future, but in the present. Because when you become double-minded, you become paralyzed in decision-making. And so the decisions you make, you continue to question. Do you know who the richest man should be in the world today? It shouldn't be Bezos. It shouldn't be Elon Musk. It should be a man named Ronald Wayne. Ronald Wayne is the third founder of Apple. With Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. He was the older person in the garage who just had kids. I believe he was like 28 years old. And the foundation of Apple Incorporated was $100 each as an investment. And Ronald was down. This could take off. I could dream about it. I believe in Steve. I believe in Steve. <laughs> Steve and Steve. And, um, but next week he came back in a panic because he had a poor experience with an investment before in stocks. And he told Steve and Steve, I just can't take this kind of chance in my life. I have a kid, I have a family, and I, I, I need that $100 back. Today, if he didn't make that decision, he would be worth, guess how much? Apple today, by today's market cap, is worth $2 trillion, $227 trillion. He would be worth $230 billion, which will make him $30 billion richer than Jeff Bezos from a $100 investment. When you're double-minded, you don't even know what you're holding in your hand. Just like me when I sold Apple at 500 I was like, how could Apple go past a trillion? It's not possible. Now it's 2.2 trillion. Sometimes the, the things in the present, in our hands right now, the people around us, the resources around us, is everything you need to flourish. That God, Because God's plan is for you to flourish. That's why he planted you. That's why he created you. But if you keep double-guessing, being double-minded about what's in front of you, what God has in front of you, then you're going to regret it. 
we're going to regret it. So will you take your life out of your hands today and put it into God's? And focus on your assignment. That's it. Be faithful to the assignment. Be faithful to what is in front of you. Amen? Let's stand and pray together. your hands with me to the Lord today. Will you take your your clamory, sweaty hands, the hands that shake about your future, and will you surrender it to the hands of God? Now, if you're a seeker, this is a good idea because he's the creator, and he has an ark for your life, and that's why you're here in this moment, watching this or here present. What if every, you have everything you need at the present moment for your best future? Because a seed cannot become a tree overnight or will miss completely the developmental process. This text is telling us to get out of the matrix, the mental Olympics. You know, the older I get, I realize what faith is now. Faith is simply trusting in God that he knows what he's doing. Because, truthfully, I make dumb decisions all the time. Thinking about the future. Thinking that that'll be better for me. Faith means this conviction I have that God is good. That he has a future and a hope for me. I'm going to trust and be faithful to what is in front of me, to the people that are in front of me, to the resources that are in front of me. And I will develop this, what is in front of me. And as you pray, this text says, Jesus says to his disciples in this parable, Jesus says that those who've been given more will be, have more will be given more. And those who have less that will be taken from them. So in the biblical landscape, stewardship is not created equal. If you're faithful with little, God gives you more. So if there are many of you in this room asking for more about your life, God, if I only had this, if I only had this person or this column, then I'll, I'll feel all right. But how could God give you more if you can't be responsible with less? So we spend some time today, as we say, looking to him. The carrot and the stick ending today. And God's goodness reigning supreme in our hearts today. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.
today we come before you this afternoon and all of us God, all of us surrender our outcomes to you we give the future to you truth is you're the only one that knows it and each scenario just like that scene in a marvel Infinity War, the Avengers. Dr. Strange sees every scenario there is to win. God has already seen every scenario for the best case for us. And the question is, is he trustworthy? Well, yeah, the cross has proven that. Romans 8.32 says that Jesus, that Paul, Paul tells us that he has given us his son then why would he spare any any good thing? He wouldn't give us the most difficult gift and not give us something less. So we, we need to hold on to that. Past grace becomes future grace. Instead of future concern, we need to supplement it for future grace. So let's do the work and leave the outcome to God. So Father, I want to come before you today. And we surrender, God, our, all our anxieties and we supplicate them. Because we can't control them. all our hyperbolic fears and we pray that we would put our trust in you because the Bible promises this right that when you let him ground you on good soil things will grow how much? We don't know. 30, 60, 90. And then next week we're going to talk about, well, don't look at people. They get 100 and you get 60 and they get 30. God, that's not fair. Remember, it's not about equality here, okay? You focus on you. Promises there will be growth. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. Go in his peace.
everyone, my name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 1AU Church and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 1AU Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with the group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have the 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into goes into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu, who's a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual 180 cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels and it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. As you might have seen on our social media channels, we launched a care package delivery service called 180 Cares and this is a great way to um, show appreciation and love to the people in our lives that, mean, that may need some encouragement. If you'd like to send one of these boxes or just want to learn more, you can go check out our website at 180church.tv slash 180cares. And lastly, if you've been blessed by our Sunday worship led by Pastor Lydia, you can visit the 180 Church Studios on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here you'll find a playlist of all the worship songs we've featured every Sunday, and it's perfect for when you want to immerse yourself in worship during the week. That's all of our community news. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us this Sunday, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye.